He was confident that you would walk in his power and that you would use your influence to bring everyone around you into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that you possess that ability, that everybody that knows you should know that you are a woman of God? Everybody that knows you should know that you represent Jesus. Everybody that knows you knows that you don't play all the time. Can I get an amen? That there's just some things you do not do. Praise the Lord Jesus. He knew that you would discover your divine dominion. And that's what I want us to do this year in 2017, women of God. I want us to discover our divine dominion, and I want us to reign in every area of our lives. Let me just put it to you this way. In 2017, you need to make up in your mind tonight that nothing will dominate you. I'll say it again. In 2017, make up in your mind right now that nothing will dominate you. No one, nobody, nothing will dominate you. Nobody will have influence over you except for Jesus Christ. Come on. I, I said that to myself a couple days ago because last year I was kind of dealing with some things with stuff dominating over me. Sickness was dominating over me. And when you're sickness, your mind gets a little crazy. And when your mind's crazy, your emotions get a little nuts. And I was kind of here, there, and everywhere. But this year, I told the devil, nothing will dominate me this year. I tell you right now, Jesus Christ lives inside of me, and Jesus Christ lives inside of you, and we can walk in power to where nothing will dominate us. Nothing will make us lay down. Nothing will make us give up. Nothing will make us shut up. Nothing will let us hold back. Nothing and no one will stop us from achieving what God has purposed in our hearts to achieve. So again, nothing will dominate you. And I mean that. I and guarantee you might leave here tonight. Something will try to come mess you up, but nothing will dominate you. What do I mean by that? Nothing's going to make you fall out or fall over. Nothing's going to stop you from loving Jesus Christ. Nothing's going to stop you from coming to church. We have the ability to walk in freedom because we are no longer bound. John 8, 36, you know the scripture. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. How many free women do I have in the house? Amen. And Jesus has made us free, and we are free indeed. That means without doubt. And this is how Jesus makes us free. In Luke 4, 18, Jesus is preaching, and he says this. And he quotes it from the Old Testament. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recover sight of the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus said, yes, I'm here to be your savior. Absolutely. I'm here to be your redeemer. You better believe it. I'm here so you have access to the Father. Yes. But here's reason why he's here. This is how we're free. Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. What's the gospel? The good news. What's the good news? The Bible. Anytime you read the Bible, it's being preached back to you, the good news. And before you knew Jesus, you were poor. Maybe not financially, but definitely poor in spirit, poor in your emotions, poor in your mindset. I think some women here didn't even know they had value or worth because they did not have Jesus in their life. They were poor, but when we met Jesus, he made us rich in his blessing. He's come to send the brokenhearted. No more will we walk around with a brokenhearted, beat down and discouraged. Jesus says, I healed the brokenhearted. And if your heart's broken, you can go to Jesus and say, listen, I know why you're here. I know why you came. I need you to fix this heart of mine because I'm sick of it being damaged, falling in love with the wrong people, going to the wrong places because my heart's all jacked up. Jesus, I need you to heal my broken heart. 
And he's proclaimed liberty to the captives. And I love this scripture because only those that were bound know what it means to be a captive. Anybody can be honest tonight, know that they were bound. I'm talking like bundled up and bound. Amen. I'm talking bound, like not regular bound. I'm talking for real bound. I'm talking that if people really saw how you really were, they probably wouldn't want to talk to you because you had some major stuff going on. I'm talking about when people talk to you about Jesus, you would roll your eyes and suck your teeth and want to hear nothing about it because you are so bound up. You would be irritated with Christians. You would be mad because somebody was happy. You didn't want people to have a breakthrough because you wanted them to be miserable like you. I'm talking about that kind of bound. But because you were introduced to Jesus, he sets you free. And now you're no longer bound. You're not upset over anybody else's stuff. You rejoice when somebody else gets blessed. Recovery sight to the blind. There's no longer scales over your eyes. And I can attest to this. When I first met Jesus, I knew, I didn't know I was blind. Oh, come on. Remember, you didn't know. you. I didn't know I was blind. I, I, I remember seeing everything dark, but I didn't know it was dark because that's all I knew. But one day in church during worship, I was praising God and worshiping God, and I literally felt something come off my eyes, and it, my eyes opened, and everything was 10 times brighter. And I knew that God had removed scales from my eyes, that I no longer am blind, but now I can see. And when you're able to see, come on, women of God, you know. You think that there's hope. You know things are going to be okay. You know things are going to work out. You see goodness in your future when you're no longer blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And I prayed heavy against oppression today. And if you were here, if you were here to, if today, if you were going through oppression, meaning that there was a heaviness on you, raise your hand if you dealt that to tight, to, uh, today. So praise God. I knew it because I was driving. I said, I don't like this heaviness. And I, I started praying for, for my sisters in Christ because we're not going to live a life of oppression. Nothing should be holding you down. I'm going to say that again. God, God has been, nothing should be holding you down. God has been too good to you. God has done too much for you. God has made a way out of no way. There is no reason why we should not be light on our feet giving our God praise. That we shouldn't be pressed down to where we can't praise and pressed down to where we can't get out of the bed and pressed down that we can't even come to church. The devil is a lie. Jesus came to set the oppressed free in the name of Jesus. So that's how we're free. We're free. We're, we're no longer poor. We're rich. We don't have a broken heart. Our heart is healed. We're no longer a captive. We're, we're no longer bound. We can see with the eyes of understanding. He's given recovery to our sight, to the blind. We're no longer blind anymore. I once was blind, but now I see all because of Jesus Christ. That's what he does when we meet him. That's what he offers everyone in here. But what's our part? Our part is we have to take ownership of who we are. We have to take ownership of this body that we live in. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, last week, I had, to, I had to do something very, very, very serious. I went to the doctor, and I got on the scale. <laughs> now, normally when, I get, normally when I get weighed, I tell the nurse, don't tell me, please, do not be a bearer of bad news. I don't want to know. For about a year and a half, every time I got on the scale, I would look away. I don't want to know. Just don't even say it out loud. Just write it down and chuckle if you have to. Praise the Lord. So finally, when I went to the doctor this last time, and uh, I went ahead and said, okay, I, I want to see. Isn't it amazing how, how we can just tell ourselves it's not that bad? It's not that bad. I said, go ahead and tell me the number. And I, I just was like, what? Okay, isn't it funny? You know you can't wear the pants you had two years ago. You know you had to go up a size in the Spanx. Come on, somebody. 
Because even the spanks weren't stretching. It was like, if you can't get those to stretch, it's a sad day. So obviously I know my, I see myself. I walk by mirrors. I see pictures. But to see the number, I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm, I got to do something about that. Since I've been sick, I've gained 80 pounds in about 14 months. That's a lot. Now remember I lost 100. Remember a long time ago, those that know me, only 20 is missing. It's very sad. <laughs> Don't you love I'm being so real with y'all? So what I do, I did the right thing. I got my life in line, saw a doctor, saw two doctors, got a program coming. It's good. I've lost four pounds. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hey, Shandai, glory. Man, 76 to go. I, listen, I'm rejoicing anything, okay? <laughs> so tonight, all of us are going to get on the scale. Line it up. I'm just kidding. There's no scale. <laughs> but the scale in our spirit, the scale in our soul, the scale in our emotions. It's time to go ahead and look at the number. Amen. Time to go ahead. Yep. See, now listen, I'm your pastor. So if I'm going through this, you get to go through it with me. Time to get on the number. So what do we have to do once God gives us all these wonderful gifts? 1 Corinthians 9.27 says this. It says, but I discipline my body. And bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I should myself become disqualified. I discipline my body. I discipline my body. Jesus gave us all the gifts. We're not blind. Our hearts healed, remember? Brokenhearted. We got all that down. Now our turn is to discipline this body so we can continue to walk in having a healed heart and walk in no longer being bound and be able to still see in the spirit and no longer be depressed. You have to tell your body to line up with the word of God. You have to put your body, Paul says, into subjection. Subjection means that you have to force your body to be in control and you have to make your body to submit to the will of God. Does any woman here know what I'm talking about when you've literally had talks with yourself and you force yourself not to turn with your hands into Taco Bell? You force yourself not to call that joker that you know has no good for you. You have to force yourself to turn from that program that you know the Holy Spirit said stop watching. You have to tell, now if, if, if you're not, if you've never had that battle, you're giving in to your flesh all the time. Only those that fight know what I mean, where you have to force yourself, shut up. Come on, wife, your husband said something stupid. You gotta force yourself. Oh my gosh, please Jesus today. I have to subject my body into discipline. I have to force my flesh to submit to the will of God. Here's why, Galatians 5.17 says this. Galatians 5.17, write this down. For the, or write the scripture, study it later, okay? Galatians 5.17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Okay, there, there is a fight, the fight, the flesh, the flesh lusts against the spirit, meaning that the flesh has an intense desire for control. That's why when you're walking good in Christ for a while and all of a sudden you feel this tug of your emotions, this tug in your mind, this tug your feelings trying to pull you the wrong way. It's the flesh saying, please let me go off. 
Please let me cuss them out. Please let me stop going to church. Please let me make you worry. Please let me let you feel anxiety. Please stop praying. Just worry about it. Please, your flesh is desiring for you to no longer walk in the spirit. And there's a fight with each other. There's an intense desire. But then the word of God goes on in Galatians 5, 17. And the spirit against the flesh. So the, the spirit has a desire against the flesh too. The Spirit of God is saying, go to Women Only Wednesday. The Spirit of God is saying, pray to Jesus. The Spirit of God is saying, don't freak out and trust God. But it's a back and forth, it's a back and forth. The flesh is the carnal part of us that drives us to think and to act and to behave carnally, contrary to Christ. The flesh is the carnal part of us that causes us to think, to act, to behave opposite or contrary to Christ. But the Spirit of God is what gives us influences and, and influences our heart. The Spirit of God is what has you line up with His will and His way, and it overrules our nature. If you're in a tug of war and you overcame and you know you did the right thing, it was the Spirit of God inside of you. The Spirit of God is what caused you to fight against your flesh and continue to go in His way. When you hear the truth, your heart should be healed. Well, you're no longer a slave to sin and you're not blind anymore and you can see, you know that you are walking in the spirit of God. Flesh, flesh, what, what is the flesh? The flesh, there's works of the flesh and I'm gonna talk about them tonight because I think it's important. Remember I said we're gonna get on the scale tonight. Works of the flesh, Galatians 5, 19 and 21. Listen, I know you're saved and I know his mercy endures forever and his favor is on your life and nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Let me put that out there. Nothing you can do, past, present, future sin, got you covered. You belong to Christ, he belongs to you. But there's still an ongoing battle and the discipline that we need to have to walk this life. I don't wanna be a mediocre Christian. I don't wanna be average. I don't wanna just be here, there, and everywhere. And if people ask me, oh, I go to church when, sometimes. Oh, I read my Bible when? Well, pastor has it on the screen. You know, I, I, want, I, want to be, I want to be a learned Christian, a, a disciple. Women of God, let's be disciples to where we know this word and we're not ashamed of it. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. It's evident. It's obvious. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, um, idolatry, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. Okay, the only ones we knew, right, were, were fornication and adultery, right? Right. Let's be honest. The other, what, what, what are we talking about? We don't know what those things are. There's no witchcraft people in the church, right? <laughs> but those are the works of the flesh. Here's the message Bible. The Message Bible says this, and I love the message. It's obvious what kind of life that develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. Oh, we in the, out, the, out the gate, Jesus. <laughs> Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking acclimation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness. I love that. You're not alone. Look around you. Paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Not everybody is jealous of you. 
Not everybody's out to get you. Stop acting crazy. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of the community. I could go on and on. That's the message. Those are the works of the flesh. We know those, right? Don't we feel comfortable with those works of the flesh? Anytime we're operating and moving in those things, it is a work of the flesh. The Bible is clear. Aren't you glad he gives us instructions? That we don't have to guess and wonder what a work of the flesh is. Here it is. Any of that I just read is work of the flesh. But the Spirit of God that is inside of you, the proof is you operate in fruit. You all know the fruit. Galatians 5, 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, love, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'll say that again, self-control. Against there's no such law. And then it goes, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, or if we understand in the Spirit, let us move and have relationship and live this life in the Spirit. Let's walk it. Let it be evident in our lives that the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is being produced and not the works of the flesh. The Message Bible says this, my counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odd with the free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical, so that, so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on that given day. Isn't that great? It kind of puts it in check. Because again, we love Jesus. We belong to Christ. We've been free. We understand that we're no longer brokenhearted. We're not bound anymore. We're free people. But this living like how we feel any other day has got to stop in 2017. I speak stability over all of us in Jesus' name. And I said over all of us in Jesus' name. Woman of God, listen. The flesh with its passions and desires has been crucified with Christ. Your struggle is not your struggle unless you pick it back up. I'm going to say that again. Your struggle is not your struggle unless you pick it back up. Matter of fact, stop calling it your struggle. Stop attaching it to your life. Stop making that a part of who you are and who you're, you're being. You belong to Christ now. You are no longer uh, dead to sin. You are alive in Christ. And that thing will not have dominion over you anymore. I'll say it again. That thing will not have dominion over you anymore. Will you struggle? Sure. Will it be tempting? Absolutely. What thing are you talking about? You know your thing. I could line us all up and pass the mic and we could all share what our things are, but I'm not going to do that for sake of embarrassment. We all got a thing. You're alive in Jesus Christ. You are no longer that person. So Romans 6, 12 and 14. Romans 6, 12 and 14 says this, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Not Jesus is going to do it. Not the Holy Spirit's going to stop it. It says to you, do not let reign sin in your mortal body that you shall obey in its own lust. And do not present your members or your hands or your feet as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Hallelujah for grace. God's unmerited favor. Come on, it's a, that's the grace I'm talking about. 
When God gives you things that you don't deserve, that you shouldn't get, that's the grace of God. It's saying right here, we are, sin no longer has dominion over us. Why am I breaking this down? Because I'm trying to explain to you how we're going to reign this year. We're going to reign by understanding I don't have to anymore. I don't have to give in. I don't have to fall. I don't have to lay down. I do not have to let sin reign in my life. I'm not going to permit or allow or grant or make room for sin in my life any longer in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's a great confession. I'm not going to make room for it anymore. See, this is, this is mature teaching right here. Then I'm not going to patty cake with you anymore because it's time to grow up. Put on your big panties, girls. Let's do this thing like we're supposed to, okay? We're going to reign. In the book of John 8, 1 through 11, there's a story. You all know the story. You know, the, okay, let me just say this. There is, the, the Bible is very one-sided when it comes to men and women. You know, usually if a woman is glorified in the Bible, she's either a hoe, a trick, a tramp, something. There's really, I don't know what that's about. The men are strong and mighty and kings, but we're just concubines, you know, and, 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 and that's okay. I'm not, mad, I'm not mad at you, Lord. Whatever is in your Bible, Jesus, it's for our, our it, it was inspired by, it was breathed by you, Jesus, so I'm not mad. But there is a one-sidedness in the word, okay? But in John 8, 1 through 11, there's a story where Jesus is at the Mount of Olives. Jesus is basically having church. I'm going to paraphrase it, but you're going to write this down to study it, right? Because we're studiers. John 8, 1 through 11, just regular John. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He's at the temple. It's church. Church is happening. Church is going on. They're having a good time. Praise and worship was great. People are worshiping the Lord. Kingdom news just ended. And in come the leaders of the church with a woman. And this woman is embarrassed, this woman is crying, this woman is scared, this woman is ashamed, this woman is trembling. And she's at the front of the church, and they cut off the preaching and say to everyone, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. And you have to understand, back in these days, you could be killed if you were committing adultery. And he, the, the Pharisees or the leaders say, this woman's been caught in the very act of adultery. And they're, 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 she, can you imagine how embarrassing that would feel? Some of you won't come to church because you think somebody knows something you did. You think they saw you at the club. They really didn't. Well, why were they there? But praise the Lord, they thought they saw you. She's embarrassed, and she's, she's ashamed. Let's take time to look at this woman. The, woman. the woman has no name. Her name is the adulterous woman, or the woman caught in adultery. That's her name in the Bible. She's brought to shame by religious leaders at church, the place where you're supposed to be safe, covered, taken care of. She's at church being put to shame. This woman, who is a threat to all the married women in here, can I get an amen? Women that commit adultery, they're threats to married women. We got to kick you sometimes to keep you away. This woman who is a threat and she's easy opportunity for men who seek her out. We're not sure if she was married or not. Maybe she was married. Maybe she was sleeping with a married man. We have no idea the circumstances of that. But, but why would this woman risk her life? Understand this. She risked her life. She, she knew if she got caught committing adultery, she would be killed but she still thought it was worth it. Maybe he was putting it down, I don't know, praise the Lord. 
That was terrible. That was not part of my notes, and God is good. I'm back. Mark that, edit that out, praise the Lord. <laughs> but she, she risked her life. And so I wonder, what, what was it? What, what could it have been with this woman, our sister, our friend? We relate to her. We love her. She's, she's part of our group. This woman, what could it be? Could, could it be that, that, that she just was just all about emotions and just emotionally about how she felt and how she would feel? And if she felt alone, she would find somebody because she just was feeling bad. Maybe she was like, well, I just feel like I'm lonely by myself, so I just don't like how I feel, and I, I just want to feel better. So if I'm with somebody, I feel better. And if I feel better, then I behave better. But then I don't behave good after all because I just don't feel. It, I just have to feel, you know, it's a, I don't know if I, I just, I want to feel something. And that person made me mad. So when I'm feeling bad, I want to feel better. So I just go ahead and just satisfy my own self. I just, I want to feel better. It's all about how I'm feeling. Feelings, feelings, feelings. I don't know. I might feel like going. I may not feel like going at all. I'm not sure how I'm going to feel. I might go if I feel like going. Maybe her emotions or her feelings make her lie down. Her feelings made her lay down. Or, 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 or maybe it was this, you know, okay, that's it. Uh, I'm about to live how I want to live. I've been doing people all this good stuff. I get nothing back in return. I'm sick and tired of being walked over. I keep on giving and giving. I get nothing back. You know what? Forget everybody else. Forget other people. Forget about church. I don't need Jesus. I don't even need a man. Forget men. Forget dating. It's all about me. It's me, myself, and I. I'm going to be all right. All I need is myself. I'm going to be okay. And if I hurt you, I really don't care because I don't even like you because I'm going to treat you how people treated me. So I'm going to trample over you and I'm going to use you because it's all about me and how I feel and what I want. And maybe selfishness made her lay down. Or how about this? That's it. God, you've been taking too long to pay back what I've been through. Lord, I know your word says you're an avenger, but please, Jesus, it's been entirely too long. I need you to blow somebody up and hurt somebody because of how I was treated. And I'm sick and tired of seeing that person prosper, and I'm upset, and I'm mad. And you know what? I got hurt. I was violated. My man cheated on me, so you know what? I'm about to cheat on him. Matter of fact, I'm going to go get his friend. Because if I cheat with his friend, then he'll find out what I did, and then he'll be hurt, and then he'll be sorry for how he treated me. Oh, come on, ladies, don't act like you didn't know the girl that slept with your ex, so then you went and slept with their ex. Oh, okay, nobody here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Maybe revenge made her lay down. Maybe revenge made her lay down. How about this? My husband doesn't love me. He ignores me. He doesn't make me feel loved at all. He doesn't give me affection, attention, or time. And I'm a good woman. All the stuff I do from all day, cooking and cleaning and working, taking care of all his kids, I deserve better. I mean, it's been the same routine in this marriage year after year after year. And I'm sick and tired of the, the mundane pattern of marriage. And man, he don't even perform like he used to back in the day. It's just terrible. Maybe dissatisfaction in her marriage made her lay down. How about this one? I'm so sick of these men sleeping with who they want to and getting up and moving on. They, they seem fine when they sleep with somebody and they go on to the next. I'm about to be just like them. 
I'm about to find me somebody, be with them, and move on. I'm not going to get attached to nobody, and I'm going to be a thought. I don't even care. I'm just going to have a thoughtful life. Praise the Lord. I, I don't even mind because the men have been doing it for too long, and I'm sick and tired. The men get away with it. Why can't the women? They can lay down and play around. So can I. I don't need to be committed just like them. Anything a man could do, I can do better. Maybe her attempt to act like a man caused her to lie down. So my question is to you all here, holy women of God, what makes you lie down? We all have something. Something that takes us from the place of living with Jesus Christ and fulfilling his will and purpose and whatever it is makes us fall back down to the old person we used to be. We all have something. We all have triggers. We all have emotions. We all have a man that causes us to fall. To my single ladies, praise the Lord. Who do you allow to dominate you? What do you allow to dominate you? Who stops you from moving forward in the things of God? Who pulls you down from the throne that God has put you on and make you lay low in the dark and in the sheets? Who does it? Who makes you lay down? Is it that your feelings are triggered and all of a sudden you don't wanna, uh, you don't wanna uh, fight against your flesh anymore, that you give in to your flesh? Is it because your feelings, because of how you feel? Let me tell you this, Romans 8, 13 and 14 says this, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Romans 8, 13 and 14, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But, and I'm talking in the spirit, okay? But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, then they are the sons of God, or they are the daughters of God. You know you're a daughter of God when you are led by the Spirit, and you put away the deeds of the flesh no matter how you feel. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's I got this me, myself, and I attitude, and I, I don't even need to come to church, really. I'm good by myself. James 3.16 says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Isn't it amazing how the Bible ties in envy and self-seeking together? Envy, jealous, I don't like you. You, I don't, you know, you're looking at me, I'm looking at you. That jealous spirit lines up with self-seeking. People are jealous because they're too busy thinking about themselves and they're so self-centered, they think that everyone's out to get what they have because all they can see is them. And when you're, when you're self-absorbed, confusion is there. No one likes me, I'm not sure why anybody likes me, I'm not sure what happened, I'm not sure what happened. You can look at patterns of relationships in your life to see if that's existing. Maybe, maybe it's revenge. Maybe you're a I'm gonna get you back type of girl. Romans 12 and 7, 18 says this. Romans 12, 17 through 18. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Don't let revenge take you off where you were and have you lie down to your flesh. Maybe it's dissatisfaction. I'm just not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I just want more. It just it should be better. You know, you realize that's a spirit of not being thankful. It's an ungrateful spirit. Psalm 107 and 9 says this. Psalm 107 and 9 tells us, for he who God satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. 
If you're ever by yourself and you just have a deep desperation in your soul, like something's missing, like you wish there was someone you could share your life with or share something with, or you feel like you're not connected to somebody in your soul realm, it's just longing and longing, I guarantee you it will leave if you just worship. That longing that you have in your soul is longing for the Holy One to be worshiped and introduced into your life, and then that longing goes away. Dissatisfaction, especially for our wives here. If you feel like, I just don't feel loved, and I just don't feel loved, and I just don't feel loved, and he's in the house, and he's paying bills, and he's doing this for you, and I don't feel loved, and he doesn't love me, and uh, listen, you know who you married, right? Stop putting the pressure on him to make you feel loved and know that you are loved by Jesus Christ. No man is responsible, woman of God, no man is responsible to make you feel like you are loved. He can love you, but no one can love you like Jesus Christ. You have to know within yourself, I want to be loved, but no one loves me more than Jesus. I appreciate your flesh. I really appreciate your flesh, praise the Lord, but no one can love me like Jesus Christ. And I'm not gonna put a responsibility on flesh to satisfy my spirit. When only God can satisfy. And maybe your attitude makes you fall. That you try to give your heart a little bit to church, you try to give your heart a little bit, but then that act like a man spirit comes up, and I don't need nobody, and I'm good by myself, and you know, I'm fine, and I'll just go ahead and treat people poorly, because that's how I'm treated. Listen, Ezekiel 36 and 26 says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will take the stony heart away, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Maybe these are the triggers in your life that make you fall. Maybe you finally feel like you can trust somebody and they let you down and that wall comes up again. And guess what? You're not moving forward in the things of God. You're not reigning in areas of your life. You're too worried about how you got hurt and that hurt reminds you of the hurt three years ago. And here you are back allowing unforgiveness to reign. Bitterness to reign. Anger to reign. Allowing selfishness to reign. Not caring who you hurt or how you hurt him. And all looking at inwardly and not looking at God. What is it within me that I need to change? What is it within me that I'm struggling with? What is it within me? It's time, Lord, that I give that over to you. It's been 10 years, five years, six years, eight years. I've been dealing with the same thing over and over and over again. I'm okay for three months, but somehow it comes back. I'm introduced to it again. I'm sick and tired of the pattern. Jesus, break the pattern. And so Jesus says, I can break it, but I need you to do your part. So our woman that's there embarrassed, ashamed. We don't know what her story is, we don't know where the details are, we just know she was caught in the act of adultery. And of course, Jesus says the, the, the line we all quote, in, any of you among, without, you know, first sin, cast first stone, y'all know how it goes, right? In other words, if you think you're so good, you, you kill her, basically. And all the men start putting their stones down. And Jesus waits until everybody's gone, and I love what the scripture says. The scripture says, that Jesus looked at her as if no one was there. Do you know Jesus has the ability to look at you? You, just you, right now, looking at you. Right now, he's looking at you. He doesn't see your neighbor. He doesn't see the person in front of you or behind you. He's looking at you. 
He looks at you and he says, where are your accusers? Where are the ones that are pointing fingers at you? Where are the ones that are condemning you? Where are the ones that by law should have killed you? And she says, they're not here. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. And then here's the great thing. The Lord says, Jesus Christ says to the woman that was caught in the act, not a rumor, caught in the act, not hearsay, caught in the act. Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. Go. Withdraw and sin no more. Go and dominate your life. Go and don't allow your flesh to get you into trouble. Go and allow the Spirit of God to reign higher than the flesh that you're tormented with. Go and allow the Spirit of God to override your flesh. First Peter 2.9, he says, you are chosen. You are royalty. Praise me. You are my possession. I know everything about you, and I'm proud of you, and I love you, and I'm honored to be your daddy. And I thank God that you're my daughter, and I don't care that you're messy, and that you did things the wrong way, and that you allow the same thing to trip you up time and time again. You belong to me, Jesus says. Praise me because I called you out of darkness into my wonderful light. He says, daughter, I want you to reign. I want you to rise up in power. I want you to know that no weapon formed against you can prosper. That no man that comes against you can prosper, that nothing will allow you to go back to where you were, that you don't have to let anything or anyone have dominion over you. That relationship that you know God has told you for time and time again to break free, this is the year it's got to happen. The ties have got to be cut. I'm prophetically speaking right now in the name of Jesus. The tie has got to be cut. I see it. Yep, that relationship that God has been telling you to let it go, it's not good for you. Can you play something, please? The Lord is saying right now, it's time to cut it off in the name of Jesus. He is pulling you down. He is making you lie down when you don't need to lie down. And God is calling you tonight to rise up in the name of Jesus. No longer, no longer will I let my own personal struggles. And women of God, please don't think because I'm a pastor that I don't have a, I'm I'm probably just about as bold and honest with y'all as you can get. I I, I let y'all know everything that's going on in my life. And if I don't know right away, you will know. It will be a story. But I know what it's like to feel like you're delivered of something. And because you've been delivered of it, you don't pay attention to it. You ignore it. You don't pray about it. You don't even consult God about it. And then out of nowhere, it blows up. The thing you thought was gone 12, 13, 15, 16, 20 years ago. And you're you're thinking, God, how did I get back here? There's a war going on. And the devil will use anything and anyone to get you to lay back down and not to reign in your life. So that's why I feel so passionate about this message and our whole teaching that's going to go on throughout the year. I want us to understand, okay, this is my issue. I'm not going to let it dominate. This is my problem. I'm not going to let it dominate. I'm going to recognize and identify what it is before it even tries to take any authority or area or territory in my life in Jesus' name. And I will reign with all power, not because of me, but because of Jesus Christ that lives in me. If you believe that, come on and give God a hand praise. 
woman of God, let's give God praise in this house.